everyone. Welcome to another episode of Creating a Village, the podcast where we help you prepare for life by having conversations with everyday people. So hi, Miss Denise. How are you today? Hello, I am great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really excited for this conversation today. So can you introduce yourself to the audience and what you do? Okay. Um, well, my name is Denise Merrill. Do we use last names? Okay. My name is Denise Merrill and by uh, career, I'm an educator. Um, I have been an educator for 23 years, um, always on the elementary level. Um, but um, maybe 2019, I started a um, not-for-profit um, for high schoolers and middle schoolers uh, with special needs. And um, what it entailed is giving um, STEM workshops to those individuals, because I am aware that in the school system, school setting, they um, do not have, they have adaptive art, adaptive PE, um, and maybe adaptive music. Mm. But when it comes down to the, you know, the math and the sciences and things like that, I'm sure they have different things in their curriculum, but I wanted um people in my community or in that community as well to be exposed to adaptive science. So I started um, that program is called SORT, um, S-O-R-T-E, and it stands for Share Our Rise to Excellence. Um, I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio, um, but I moved to Atlanta to go to college. I went to Clark Atlanta University, C-A-U. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I um I have two children and I have my oldest son. Uh he has Down syndrome and hence the reason for me um starting that program, of course. And then I have a younger son that is fifteen years old. Okay, cool. Wow, that's that's a beautiful journey. I, did, I especially love how like you took what you were seeing around you um to start this nonprofit because the last week of July, I went to um, a conference, The pot, it was called the Podcast Summit, and right. I met another educator, or she used to be in education, but uh -huh. she also, well, not also, but she branched out of it because she was seeing how she was, there wasn't much she could change within the system, mm -hmm. but she was uh, making it a point to say, a lot of the times with curriculum, if someone has special needs, they usually take them out of the classroom setting to try to teach them. But she's saying it that kind of hinders like their interaction with their classmates and stuff like that. So I think that's really important to provide them with a, a, a learning environment where they can still engage with their classmates while they're learning those types of skills. Right. That's so true because uh, my son actually is in a self-contained classroom. He, it's called a multi-grade. Mm -hmm. um, so he has Down syndrome and his category, and I'm doing air quotes, um, is considered uh, a yeah. moderate intellectual disability. But he actually mm -hmm. is, um, he goes to classes and um, different activities because of my advocacy you know um they uh, yeah. teachers do tend to um keep the kids there because they're 
you know, they are labeled or whatever to be there. And of course, I don't believe in labels, mm-hmm. but I'm using that for a lamest term. And um, I'm the type, no, he needs to do this. So my son, um, last when he was in middle school, I'll say he's in the 11th now. He's just started 11th grade. When he was in the eighth grade, he was the conductor for the um, holiday band. You know, so that was something that his teacher took him to the music class. He went to the regular music class Mm -hmm. and the um, the instructor there, the teacher there gave Brent that opportunity to direct um, during the holiday performance. Um, He also in middle school was voted Mr. Seventh Grade on his own merit. He um, he campaigned. He wore um, handed out those silicone bracelets with his name on on it. He we had posters. Mm -hmm. We had T-shirts. I mean, we campaigned. And because my son is um, he has limited communication. I don't want to say nonverbal because he can't speak, but he has limited communication. Mm -hmm. So all those things spoke for him. And my son is very personable and social and everybody knows Brent. You know, everybody knows who he is. Yeah. And when they called his name, we didn't know. And when they called his, it was three young fellas that was running for that position for um, Homecoming King for that grade. And when they called my baby's name, you know, I was just screaming <laughs> because he deserved it. And you could hear like the people behind me. They was like, oh, yeah. Brent got it. You know, Brent got it. So it's the exposure. You know, it's not just like what you were talking about when yes. you expose them to things. Just because they were labeled with something does not mean they cannot do it. And he is a prime example of, Mm. you know, I may not be in a regular classroom or I may not be able to um, drive, you know, when I'm 16 or whatever. But I am I my mom exposed me to everything and I treat both of my kids the same. So, you know, if he does it and didn't win, then, you know, he was exposed to it. He you know, you never know unless you expose them to it. Don't don't count them out before they have a chance to yeah. succeed or not succeed. So, um, so he, I mean, he's great. And even he he swims in the Special Olympics. He has maybe eight gold medals. He swims the twenty five meter, the fifty oh, meter. You know, yeah. so again, the exposure. I mean, I don't even swim. I don't know. I'm supposed to say that I'm an adult, but I don't swim. <laughs> he swims in twelve feet of water. You yeah. know, but I started at, at at an early age. Him and his brother, like I said, I treat them both the same. You know, I may have a little mm. more patience with um, my oldest son because of his um, ability, but he knows. You know, and but I do yeah. have just a little bit uh, more patience. And the thing about it is, with um, him winning, um, Mister uh, Seventh Grade, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. It wasn't like the flyer came in the book bag or anything like that. So it's kind of the school yeah. actually didn't even cater to them as well. The school didn't do that. You know, I just I was picking them up and I heard the yeah. announcements and they said something about get your homecoming application and I asked his teacher who was very very hands-on um the the school the classroom was homogeneous so it was all boys and he really took care of those Mm -hmm. boys um the teacher did and when I heard the announcement I I asked the teacher I said what is this about homecoming he said I'll find out tomorrow and sure enough when I picked him up the next day he had the application in there um we he said uh Brent would need two recommendations he said we'll handle that tomorrow and just you know okay well because my thing is why count him out it's open yes it's open to everybody but 
My son yeah. can't say, hey, I want to do this. So it's up to the teacher, of course, or the parent to be the advocate and say, I want my child to participate in this. I want my child. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he did and he participated and he won. So I don't know if that was the first oh. in the history of that school <laughs> or whatever. I, I don't know. I didn't um, bother to ask, but he won on his own merit. Yeah. And, and that shows that um, they need the same opportunities as the other students, you know, in the school, in life, you know. It's funny that you're talking about homecoming because so I, my younger sister, um, she's five years younger than me. She has a mild autism. Okay. And so currently they're doing homecoming elections. Like I just got off the phone with her earlier and she was telling nice. me about her day. She was saying, oh, people had candy and they were passing out stuff. And just growing up, I could already kind of see the difference between like how I was raised or like how I interacted in school versus my sister because <laughs> a lot of the times um my sister doesn't do like after school activities mm-hmm. or I don't know exactly how credit Scott King works but I would ask my mom oh like how come Joy isn't doing dance when they would have the showcases or something and she says oh she has tutoring during those times that they would a lot for that okay and I was just talking to my mom about this recently I was thinking well if anything maybe we should try finding places for her to go after school hours mm-hmm. because a lot of the times my sister goes to school and then she comes home and she doesn't have that interactive thing that just comes with learning those new skills because right. my sister has transferred a lot of schools because of just the special needs departments that aren't allocated for okay because um, at the beginning of this school year she was going to go to a uh, a school that had like a vocational program in it yeah, I think it was like a private school but um and she was like doing her first week there and it was a really small class I think there were only probably six students in the whole class oh, okay but then her old school ended up calling my mom and it was a teacher saying hey I can't wait to meet Joy I noticed she hasn't been here for the first two days and my mom was like well they told me the program wouldn't be able to support her anymore and they had hired a teacher specifically for my sister now. Oh, wow. And they're like, no, come back, come get all these things. Yeah. And yesterday they gave my um, sister like um, a program a letter for vocational schools. So like mm-hmm. that um, specializes in special needs so that she can be able to drive and be able like basically guaranteed a job afterwards. So nice. I think it's really important for these programs to come about where they're reaching out to the different areas too for the people right. who don't have immediate access. Because one of the schools they were thinking about going to was $40,000. That's the price of a college. Right, right. So just right. for high school. And that's yeah, why- I think that's I, like super important. And that's why I started the- um sort program over on my side of town because there wasn't anything there you know they did have programs so they Mm. do have programs but they're on the other side and they cost like five hundred dollars or whatever but you know my program was free I had volunteers to help Mm. you know the students while they were there but it's um I guess it's twofold one sometimes parents don't know what's there for them to take advantage of and then two sometimes yeah. community wise um it's nothing there but then number three those programs from the beginning they're hard to get in 
meaning there's a wait list or you don't qualify for one, you know, small little thing. So you have to be, um, let me see, you have to be on it, basically. You have to make sure that yeah. you're taking advantage or doing the research for all the different programs, you know, even if it's just Googling Georgia programs for people with special needs or whatever, you just have to make sure mm-hmm. because some programs, there's a wait list for two years and, you know, you're like, what? You know, so there's there are a lot of people that take advantage of it, but if you don't know, you don't know to, you know, do it ahead of time to yeah. get um, to get on those lists or to take advantage of what is being offered. So I'm in the um, elementary arena for my career. And I make sure mm-hmm. that the students also are aware of the different abilities of the people in the school or anybody that they see yes. at Target or in the community that they mm-hmm. go to. Because um, when I was in school, I really didn't see individuals that may have had, you know, a special need or, you know, we just knew that one person back then they called it LD, learning disability, you know, that and that was the label. That was it, LD. But now you have behavior disorder, Down syndrome, um, Asperger's, autism, you know, you have a lot mm-hmm. of different categories that some people are placed in. So what I like to do with um, Exceptional Children's Week is in March. And it's a time where supposedly schools are um, learning about honoring and um, empathizing with, you know, individuals with special needs. So what I do during Mm -hmm. that time is I set up a program in the media center. And because I think it's important for people to feel like or try to feel like what maybe what a person feels like that has this different ability than them instead of staring or laughing or not willing to help because you're scared, you know, type Mm -hmm. thing. And so what I do is I have, um, kind of like a vendor of it per se, but I have different tables set up and each table caters to different abilities. And notice I'm saying abilities and not disabilities. So catering to different abilities. So let's say the first table is, um, there's a book there. There's a little um, reading passage on one pager about the ability. And um, Mm -hmm. for an example, um, somebody that might be blind or, you know, not, good sight, you know, not good sighted. And yeah. they'll have the, the blurb about the ability. And then at the table, I will have a pair of sunglasses and I'll have a book there. And on the sunglasses, I smear mm. Vaseline. And so I'll have the kid come to the table, they read what it is. And I'll say, put the glasses on and try to read from this book. So of course, it's dark and it's blurry because it's uh, sunglasses and Vaseline. So when the student is trying to read it, of course it's hard for them to read it because of that. And I tell them, well, this is some, this is how someone who uh, may have, you know, color blindness or, you know, blind or whatever, Mm -hmm. this is how they feel. So you have that 
yeah. that feeling or that empathy like oh my god this is horrible you know that it's they they're straining their they're straining their eyes trying to see or they just can't see i mean even like i tell my kids i wear glasses so that means i have a special need as well the doctor may not have diagnosed me with anything at birth but i wear glasses so that's a special need so each individual table um has things where you know, they can see what the student is. Another one of my favorites to show is I have the students put marshmallows in their mouth. And then I try to mm. get them to read something. And then they'll, of course, with food in your mouth or, you know, you can't, you know, um, speak yeah. well. And so this will be somebody that has a speech delay or maybe somebody that has um, a stuttering issue because they can't move their tongue, you know, the right, the proper way up and down to form the words. So again, this is them seeing how empathizing with somebody who stutters or can't speak or limited communication. So I have maybe like eight of those around and they can go to each table, you know, just to see how it feels. And maybe that'll give them a little more compassion in their heart or like I say, empathize with them when they see an adult, a child, a person, you know, or somebody in a wheelchair, oh, let me help and open the door instead of just sitting there watching them, you know, it, it'll give them like, oh, they really need help, yeah. you know, that type of thing. And it starts at any age, you know, so that's mm -hmm. my thing that I love to do when I have that little workshop, you know, for the kids so they can learn about empathy. That's really creative. Because when we initially met, um, we met in an AI class mm -hmm. and you were talking about how you teach people how to empathize, em empathize right. <laughs> with people who um, may have some different abilities. Right. I, was, I was wondering how you did that. And that's actually really cool, like to actually physically put them in those shoes. Yes. So that's really, that's really nice. Are there any other ways? So if someone isn't able to make it to those type of workshops. Are there any other ways that you would suggest for them to make an effort? I would say, honestly, I think nowadays someone knows at least one person with an ability that is not considered normal, um, whether it's mm -hmm. someone that walks with the cane, someone that can't speak, someone they can't see, someone that may be on the spectrum or anything. And I would say, have that conversation. Or even if, like I said, you mm -hmm. see someone, help. Ask them, do you need help? I see all the time, I see an elderly person and they're in the um, the chair that you get from the store and they're trying to put their groceries in the in their trunk of their car. And I always ask, do you need help? I got to sneeze any help or you know just be more conscious of people and how their their behavior and just ask them do you need help um is it something that i can do for you or that person mm -hmm. have that conversation with that person that you know or if you want to learn more information go to the library there are a lot of books are um yeah. on they have books on social emotional learning and I think that intertwines mm -hmm. um, with empathy. So they can do some reading on that, whether um, it's an audio book or go to a class because a lot of people are um, social emotional learning specialists. So they can speak to, okay. you know, someone, how can I be that person? How can I be that advocate? You know, because I think mm -hmm. in my eyes, even if I did not have a son with um, special needs, I will still be that advocate. 
you know, because yeah. I see children all the time that some parents, like I stated before, just don't know what to do. You know, some parents are um, embarrassed. You know, I see that in the school system where they, you, mm -hmm. when you see kids going from school to school to school, the parent is embarrassed because they don't want to have that conversation that something may be wrong, you know, with their kid or their, their child may need additional assistance um, and not be in the regular classroom, which is doing the child a disservice because if they're not getting personal attention, like how you said your um, your sister had that one-on-one -on -one person with her, if they're not getting that assistance, then that means that person is falling behind and further behind if nobody is saying anything and if no, if mom or dad yeah. or whoever the caregiver is, is not advocating for them, like something is wrong, they're not reading on the level or they're not saying words. I mean, because we have this uh, checklist, I'm going to call it, that supposedly, hmm. um, by this age, you're supposed to do this. By this age, you're supposed to do this. And of course, my I have two different kids and they both did things on different levels and at different times, different ages. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, for me, I just use those as a guide. I don't use it as the Bible per se. You know, I don't, I, but yeah. you look at your kids and you know, you know whether something is going on or you need to see the pediatrician about um, something's not right. They're not feeding themselves or every time they feed themselves, they push the food out or whatever the case is. So someone who does not, to go back to your question, someone who does not, um, cannot come to those things. I would say reading, um, listening to podcasts like this, talking to individuals that um, may, that you know, that may have a special need is and say, well, what can I do to help? Or if I see someone in the store, at the mall, at church, you know, where I go, how can I be mm -hmm. of service? Because that's what it is. You're being a servant. You know, you're called to be a servant and uh, be a helper, you know, to someone that um, cannot do for themselves. So I would just say be more aware consciously by visually looking and noticing you know, individuals that may need assistance and then take it from there, having a conversation, reading books, yeah. um, and just looking at yourself to make sure you're compassionate because everybody does not have the empathy. I'm going to say mm -hmm. gene for lack of a better term. Everybody does not know how to do it. Or, you know, you see a lot of people that say, like, if you, we have this conversation and um, you tell me something terrible, whatever, and I, you know, I start to cry because I empathize with, you know, people, but somebody else that you had this conversation, yes, they'll say, oh my God, that's, that's terrible. That's bad. But that, that's, that's showing consideration, but empathizing meaning is mean that you really feel what this person is feeling and you take on the feelings yeah. of whatever this situation is. Everybody does not have that and you don't want to necessarily force that on people because mm. it, it will come out for it. And all this is my opinion and it, it may not um, come yeah. out the right way if that makes sense. You know, I think everybody, oh. go ahead, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to say, um, to that point, I was going to ask, um, when it comes to asking someone if they need help or assistance, how mm -hmm. can people make sure you're doing that respectfully and not kind of, to your point, like patronizing or mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. not in an authentic way? Right, right. Um, I always um, start off with a greeting. 
Like you don't just come and say, oh, mm-hmm. let me help you with these groceries. Let me help you, whatever. Hey, how you doing today? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they speak, you know, do you need some help? You got it or, you know, whatever. You have to have a conversation. And that's a lot of things what we don't mm-hmm. do. We don't open our mouths and we don't have that conversation. But I always start, you know, with the greeting. You're letting the person know, oh, this person is sees me. This person may be interested in helping me. Let me listen. This may not be somebody that's trying to hurt me, but somebody that's trying to help mm. me, you know. Um, but that that's how I approach it with the hello. How you doing? Yeah. Do you need some help? Hey, you need some help? And always with a, a tone of um, not monotone, I guess I can say a tone of where that you're you're sincere, you know, with it, not. You need yeah. some help, you know, like, like, oh, they gonna bother me, I'm <laughs> late, but you know, not, not that at all, because nobody want, I, if somebody can't approach me like that, I'm like, no, I got it, because they're coming at you with negativity, you know, and I'm very yeah. um, conscious about my space, I only need positivity in my space, so like I said, I'll even, you know, I tell my son, if we see someone coming out, you know, well, of course, he's a gentleman, hold the door, or ask them if they need help, but I think it starts with the conversation of, um, you know, saying, excuse me, hello, how you doing? Oh, I see you. Mm. You need some assistance, ma'am? You know, that type of thing, but not just bombarding yourself with him. Like my son, he um, he loves to hug. He's 17 and he loves yeah. to hug. And, but again, he can't necessarily verbalize to someone that he wants a hug. He knows how to say, I want hug, please. But that's after the fact. He'll ask after the fact, but he may run up, try yeah. to run up to someone or um, just uh, just give them a hug or, you know, he's saying hi or whatever. But in his instance, he can't say whatever. And then what? so I'm his advocate and I'll say he wants a hug mm-hmm. if that's okay. You know, so I ask them because if he runs up to someone, they may think that he's trying to hurt them or they don't know because it's like, oh, my God, who is this running up to me? Which I get, which I get. But um, and to to when he was younger, he I mean, he's done this all his life. And when he was younger, I tried to stop it because my thing is he doesn't know a stranger. So I didn't want people to take advantage or I didn't know how people or him to do that when I'm not around or someone's not around to say, Hey, you know, come back or, you know, whatever the case, but he used to run up, just run, run up to people. But now at this age, you know, I speak for him and I say, um, he wants a hug if that's okay. If they say no, I was like, okay, Brent, she said no, you know? So some people, they can't tell you also if they need assistance. You know, so you have to look and yeah. see if, like, if somebody is um, elderly or someone that can't um, help and they're by themselves, you may just have to take the rein. Oh, you're going to help or I'm going to help you, sir. Let me, you know, do this for you. You know, offer it and do it if they're not able to verbalize that yes or no, that they don't want, you know, want your assistance. So um, it's twofold. And it's, it's I don't want to say it's hard, but it once you become that person it's second nature that you notice it you know mm. all the time it's like a conscious oh, effort they, it, that's right that's right so it's something that's genuine it's natural you know and like I said my son does it um uh, whether they're kids adults you know elderly you know nobody is everybody like I said mm. everybody needs help especially now and nowadays um you know I took care of my dad um 
let me see, over a year ago, my dad had dementia. So I was his caregiver. And when it came down to when he was getting ill and his um, dementia was progressing fast, he wasn't talking. He wasn't speaking. So I had mm-hmm. to, you know, be that person for him to talk at the doctor to, um, dad, are you in pain? Or, you know, to have that conversation and know the signals or the signs of, yeah. you know, what he needed and what he didn't need. But again, it came mm-hmm. second nature. And if people just take the time to look at people instead of being on the phone, you know, or whatever, um, you know, yeah. take the time to look at people and see if someone needs help or, you know, sometimes somebody just needs a hello, good morning, how you doing? That eye contact, you know, and yeah, like with a lot of people, when my son hugs people, they'll say, oh, I needed that today. How did you know I needed a hug? So you never know who needs that. And that's his way of helping empathy. You know, he's showing empathy to yes. other people. Um, So you you never know what people um, need or how you can help somebody until you be conscious where you conscious where you are the grocery store the mm-hmm. you know even in the in even in the car you know people like the mean mug you know you at the light you know you can say hey how you doing <laughs> yeah. how you know it nobody's trying to flirt or talk you know it's just a hey you made eye contact with somebody hello and you never yeah. know if that made somebody's there or not like wow nobody said good morning or I just had some bad news and now have somebody smiling at me that may make them feel you know a little better so I think as Mm -hmm. a people we just need to be more conscious of how we're treating other people and just be more aware of you know what's going on Mm -hmm. in our surroundings to see if we need to be of assistance to someone else I I I really (laughs) I agree so much with what you just said Mm -hmm. because I really do feel like smiles just a little wave a nod even can go Mm -hmm. such a long way for people um to your point of being aware of others and just kind of gauging what they need um do you have any advice I could say for parents or caretakers um of those who have different abilities hey Sorry to interrupt this great episode, but this episode is so great that it has a part two. You can hear the answer to this question and much more on episode 12, part two, that you can go listen to right now. You don't have to wait a whole nother week. You can go listen to it right now. So be sure to go do that. Also, don't forget that in the description and in the show notes are resources talked about in this episode. So you can find all the resources from both part one and part two in the description. So be sure to check them out. And also like, comment, subscribe if you're enjoying this content. And let us know what else you would like to hear. All right. Thank you for tuning in and go watch part two right now. Bye.